yeah, fine. These guys suck. <laughs> that whole town was itching to get blood on their hands. So yeah, they, oh, yeah. I guess yeah, great yeah, yeah, yeah. on everyone. This is like that Robin Hood movie where it was just basically they were waiting for the dude to show up to give him the excuse. <laughs> yeah. There are good movies and there are great movies. But that's not what we watch here because this is shitty cinema. We are three film masochists who love to take on the worst movies we can find. Centered around our monthly theme to answer one simple question. Would you watch it again? I'm Jay and I'm joined by Dave. Hello. And Casey. Foot massage machine go. Every week, one of us has to pick a movie based on that month's theme. What's this month's theme, Dave? Well, we've just finished up our theme of True Story Bro with Walkin' Tall last week. But it is a new month, and it is the holiest of months for those of us here at Shitty Cinema. Mm. The month when we celebrate the one, the only, the Jean-Claude Van Dammit. Van Damme, he's looking good. 1999. It is Van Damuary, baby. Happy so, Van Damuary 2024, everyone. Happy Van Damuary to all of you, even those who don't celebrate. So, Casey, you're kicking us off this week. What did you bring for us? Hold on. Wait, Casey, did you just... Is there a war on Van Damuary? <laughs> I've been waiting to bring this up. Yes. <laughs> don't you wish me happy Norris days or I will punch you in the mouth. From 1999, Inferno. This was a movie, A, I have not seen. This is one of the few Van Damme movies. I think there's only a handful left. So I've never seen this movie. I was not disappointed, pleasantly surprised, and unpleasantly surprised several times. (laughs) Has anybody, had anyone ever watched this? No, I believe it was a first viewing for all of us. I think it was, but I honestly can't say that for certain, and we'll discuss <laughs> okay. why later. Right. Well then, before we get there, Casey, we're going to need an elevator pitch where you sell us on this movie in 10 seconds or less. Here's your setup. You've been shot and wake up an indeterminate time later. Someone has performed hillbilly surgery on you while you were out, and it may have been the person serenading you awake. You open your eyes to see Danny Trejo giving you a foot massage. In the 10 seconds before you can process what's going on, sell us on this movie. A suicidal drunk is saved by a spectral bestie to get used by a town to wipe out a family and a gang. Come for the foot massage, stay for the pie. Eight seconds. I mean, come for the foot massage, stay for the pie, though, sounds like a place I wouldn't mind being, generally. As long as he's wiping or washing his hands between foot massages and baking, I'm cool with it. Apple pie and foot massages aside, let's go over the movie that Shitty Cinema watched. Eddie Lomax is tortured by his time in the special services and is seeking out his best friend. Eddie wants to present his friend Johnny an Indian motorcycle and ask for his approval to commit suicide. It's a fucking dark-ass start to a movie, but okay. Yeah, and it gets worse. The bike stalls out, Eddie drunkenly pisses off the local gang, and they nearly kill him. Uh, Yeah, and more importantly, they take his sweet bike. Right. Eddie's saved because the youngest of the Hogans, the the gang that he pissed off, he doesn't like killing. 
He does like his got meth t-shirt. He does like his and got I meth. And I really t-shirt. appreciated that shirt in that in that scene. Yeah, so we've got Petey, the reluctant bad guy that wants out of the life trope. Yeah, you've seen movies before. You know the character. <clears throat> Which sets up our whole plot. After Johnny finds Eddie in the desert, he patches him back up and they decide to take care of the drug dealing, racketeering Hogan gang and the heathen gang. Eddie kills the gang members at the gun shop and frees the actual owner, Eli Hamilton. Eli's an old man with an oxygen tank that was kept chained to a chair. Elated that Eddie killed his nephews, who were the people holding him hostage, to be fair. Eli offers to help Eddie. Well, he offers to help him kill all the rest. Yeah, I have so many questions about I think Eli should have been the first person to jump in that shower because I don't think they were getting him up and out of that chair to use the bathroom very frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I bet the back of that onesie was loaded. Absolutely. (laughs) Eli, (laughs) Eli's first line is, if anybody's alive out there, come get me out of this stink. And Yeah, yeah. They did not play that scene out how I thought they were with that line. The constable, though, in this film does nothing but hang out at the diner the entire time. I mean, unless you count getting bullied by the gangs. I mean, from what we're told, the diner has pretty sweet pies. So, like, I get why he's just hanging out there all day long. Hey, hey, one time he told the gang members, he asked them to stop, and they said, are you going to do something about it? And then he chicken shit it out. Yeah. He kind of looked like Christopher Lee, but Hallmark's Christopher Lee. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, for a second I thought it was Christopher Lee. Eddie takes a brief break from this to eat a piece of pie uh, and enlists the help of a handyman to dispose of the bodies. We'll get to that. Eddie causes some problems at the local heathen gang spot, claiming that he was hired by the Hogans. The heathens respond by trying to kill Patriarch Hogan and his three kids. Eddie continues to provoke them until they practically go to war with each other in a shootout at a construction site. Love a petty queen. (laughs) (laughs) Loved every second of that. Eddie blows a few things up there, but when the gangs realize they've been played, they head for Eddie's hiding spot. Johnny knocks Eddie out and ultimately gives his life so that Eddie can get away. At this point, the town residents join Eddie, and when the gangs return, they find a fucking surprise. Eddie beats up the last remaining villain, the Hogan that left him for dead originally, and hooks up with the waitress that made all that pie. The Hogan grabs a gun to shoot him, but the townspeople kill him like ultra dead before the Hogan can pull the trigger. (laughs) In the end, 28 people disappeared from a town with no trace, and everyone believes that it's a UFO, according to the papers, which is precisely how this film wraps up. Okay. 28 people are gone from that place. They Nobody misses them. So that's why everybody's <laughs> like, nope, it's a UFO, but it's the desert. They're going to cook out there. <laughs> yeah, I... I I don't, yeah, we, I don't. We, we need to give a little more context to this because when our hero, Eddie Lomax, first kills a few people in the gun shop, uh, Eli's nephews, he enlists the local <laughs> handyman, Pat goddamn Morita, who just <laughs> hangs out in this fucking desert diner all day in an all white suit. Eddie hires Pat Morita to wrap these bodies up in saran wrap so that they can be disposed of. And presumably, yeah, they're going to do the same thing with all of these other bodies from the end of the movie. And you've now got me real realizing, really, the good guys only lost Danny Trejo. He's the only death on the good guy's side, right? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's yeah. an incredible, it really was 27 to 1. <laughs> so we see multiple times Pat Morita's character, Drupal Early, backing a truck up 
with hydraulics and dumping bodies into some kind of ravine. And, and one, one of them is hilarious because you see the body come out of the truck and they have it shot far away and it's falling down the ravine that hits like a side of the cliff and bounces. <laughs> and it just looks abs. I don't know what the tone of this movie is, but it, it, it made me it laugh my ass in off. a can. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's supposed to be this like really backwater town with these simple folk that are being overwhelmed. But then you've got Pat Morita playing Winston goddamn wolf. Just whistling as he hauls off <laughs> bodies to the local goddamn dump. Right. And so, it, so what do you do with a dump full of bodies? I mean, that's probably going to be if they. Okay, let's assume they throw all twenty-eight bodies in that dump. You have a mass grave. That's going to smell awful, right? We get a headline at the end of the movie on what honestly looks to be the in-universe version of Weekly World News. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, I, I was hoping there's, like, page six had that boy. This headline says, 28 people disappeared, UFO blamed, authorities baffled. And we got to remember that those 28 people are 27, like, meth-smuggling bikers <laughs> and Danny Trejo. I don't <laughs> think this case went very far. <laughs> Well, looks like everything's good here. <laughs> right. We hear in the movie that they're an hour by car from the state police uh, if yeah. they don't get lost on the way. I yeah. don't think anyone made the drive. <laughs> I would have just been like, I saw them all leave town. Do you think they just called the constable and he was like, I, I just saw everybody leave, I think. I don't know. I don't I mean, know where they went. Somebody had to have called it in because they're now using this as a tourist trap. We see at the end of the movie that they're getting shit tons of money off of tourists coming to see where these. Well, it was Jean Claude Van Damme's idea. They say that. Yes. One of the one of the weird twists of this film is that the the entire film is is presented as economically despondent and multiple times that that's mentioned and referenced, including the old times when they should have sold that diner and, and left. Uh, and, and then at the end, they turn it into a tourist hotspot based on the UFO disappearance and sell kitsch and a myth and people fucking eat it up. And it is the strangest like tack on to the end of the movie that I didn't understand at all. <laughs> uh, they had uh, they they had mentioned the UFOs earlier in the film. There was one local guy who had a side hustle, like showing people to like UFO sites because of the oh, nearby yeah. Air Force base. So like it's it's a pre-existing industry. They're basically shitty Roswell and JCVD's like, hey, what if we combined all my murder with that and made you a good Roswell? I. Always thought this movie was going to go a certain way, just looking at the pictures from it and the cover. And it kind of felt like weird Hong Kong cinema. Oh, did if, it? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. because just Why? some of the jokes and the like, it's pretty serious and heavy material. And then like, oh, ha, ha, this is funny. And then this person's really off-putting. You wake up and he's massaging your feet. Then you go back to sleep. It's not weird. Nothing weird about just two dudes trading foot massages in the desert. <laughs> so let me take you on a journey, Casey. This movie's directed by John Avildsen, which you might remember from Rocky. Uh, the first one, Rocky Five, as well. Um, but uh, he based this movie on Yojimbo. 
Oh yeah, that so was a this blatant is... turn to the camera and <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So that 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 scene was a blatant. And so you getting <clears throat> not really Hong Kong, right? Japanese cinema, but if you're if you're getting some some kung fu vibes from it, that's where that comes from. Yeah. Oh no, this this is blatantly just a a somewhat bog standard Western slash samurai movie. Sort of, but but it's also kind of crazy. It, it 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 updated a few things, but I said at the top that I don't think I've seen this before, but that's <laughs> yeah. why I'm not certain, because in a way, I've seen this movie a hundred goddamn times. I wanted to talk about Jubal early, because I think he might be the most interesting character, and I want to try and sell you on this, okay? so I'm already in, but go on. When we're introduced to him, we find out that Jubal early comes in to this diner every day, and he sits there, he reads the paper, and looks out the window, lamenting when his love Birdie is going to come back. And she's been gone for three years, and apparently he hasn't heard from her. He is a handyman, and she's supposed to have a job for him. Later, Jean-Claude Van Damme walks into the diner as Eddie Lomax and says, Hey, you're a handyman? Oh, let me have a job for you. Come with me. Jubal follows him to where Eddie walks him to two bodies, which he casually goes, oh, you need me to take care of that? No job too big, no job too small. I'm going to need this, 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 and this. You mentioned the wolf from Pulp Fiction exactly in that cool, collected tone and is like, I'm going to go get my truck. I'll be back, gentlemen, and walks out to just casually take care of this. So what kind of fucking handyman is Jubal Early, really? Every contractor worth his salt has helped conceal a murder. <laughs> First unknowingly and then knowingly. I mean, Jay, you asked what kind of handyman he is. He's the kind of handyman who wears a three-piece monochromatic suit sitting (laughs) in a desert diner and introduces himself. Anyone who wears an all-white suit and introduces themselves as a handyman is at minimum connected to the mob. Fair. Damn. I've got a proposal because I absolutely do want to see more of the backstory of Pat Morita, the handyman. Yeah, Um, yeah. Here's my proposal. We do a prequel of his younger days, and we have Mm -hmm. him played by Jason Statham. Yes! Yes! I'm in! Alternatively, though, I will accept a sort of buddy cop ongoing series about Pat Morita and Danny Trejo's character in this small desert town just getting (laughs) involved in shenanigans and solving shit. Because Danny Trejo plays a, a Native American who just hangs out in his... Shaq being friends with a coyote and I think doing peyote all the time. That's the show I want. (laughs) Okay, listen. We got to talk about the erotic elephant in the room. Oh, which which one? Because there's a couple, there's at least three erotic elephants that I can think of. The first one I want to talk about is the waking up. Ladies, picture this. You're at an Airbnb. It's sunny. It's warm. It's, you know, got a little bit of wind. You wake up with a bottle of tequila and a great hand massage by someone with really fucking strong hands. And you open your eyes and it's Danny Trejo and he's solving all your fucking problems. Spill the tea, sis. (laughs) He's here to listen. When I watched this, I texted Casey and I said, hey, I think this is going to fulfill fantasies you didn't know you had. (laughs) Yes, he did. (laughs) <laughs> Danny Trejo massage that, that got added to the list 
I mean, Van Damme's got to be in there somewhere. All right. That was one of the unintentional erotic elephants. Yeah. The movie may have not quite intended for, but there's some erotic elephants it very much intended for. Which, okay, sure. Everyone in the diner being either thirsty for or jealous of Jean-Claude's dick when he shows up. That was totally fine. That was pretty box standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie bullshit. But then Jean-Claude rescues a couple of strippers from the local motorcycle gang hotspot. But the scene opens up with the first girl walking into his room wearing nothing but a towel while Jean-Claude is also wearing a towel because he just got out of the shower. She stands in front of him, gives him a seductive line about like, oh, I want to thank you and drops her towel. Jean-Claude looks her up and down and then very dramatically rips his own towel off in a way that isn't exactly sexual, but made me briefly think, wait, is he like, is that a dove? Is it, is he just doing a, like a mimic thing here? You did get to see his ass in that shot. They got a, you got a nice got clean ass shot. CVD. Yeah. Perfectly and then, tan. No tan lines. Mid-coitus, the second stripper knocks on the door and says, oh, I see you're busy. And Van Damme very casually responds with, no, come in. You're next. It is not very casually. He grabs her and pulls her back into the room while saying, okay. no, no, you're next. That was casual for Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay, while all of this is going on, you have the local nosy old woman that is watching with alcohol and purse from the window and is like, fuck yeah, buddy. We've got free Cinemax tonight. She puts a straw in her pint. Yeah, she's got a pint with a straw in it that she's sipping on while peeping through the window. And spends the night out there. After Jean-Claude <laughs> leaves the next morning after his fuck fest, he sees her and brings a blanket for he, he brings a blanket before walking out. So that means he knew she was watching the whole time. No, he, he got the blanket. It was hung up, drying. Yeah, it was hanging outside and he pulled it. He moved it, down it to and the side. Her. Right. Pulled it down, put it over her. I thought he was just like, I know someone who's gonna need this. No, 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 no. And, and he left. like, I wish she would have knocked on the door because I'm sure he would have been like, you're next. Get in here. I mean, there. she's on a mattress outside the window. I don't think there was a mattress conveniently right there. Like, she drugged that over at some point. I'm he pretty knows. sure he heard. <laughs> <laughs> he probably did invite her in. And she, no, 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 no. I like the sitting outside and watching. That's my thing. It is Van Damuary, and there's a few things that we traditionally have to talk about. One of things, one of the things that Van Dam is known for, and that we usually get to celebrate, was sadly missing this week, and that was no splits. We did not get a split scene. I don't know. I feel cheated whenever we don't have an excuse to do the splits, especially in a movie this silly. You could have worked <laughs> it in somewhere. And it Where would you have put it, Case? Where would you have put it? I'm going to say when he killed the two brothers first thing in the in the beginning of the movie, then Ooh. he frees Eli Hamilton. Okay. Dave, what about you? Where would you put the splits? He's going to jump up and do them between two motorcycles. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I'm Okay, so I like your motorcycle idea because that's, that's sort of what I was thinking about. But What's your splits? Here's mine. So at one point, Johnny gets hung 
and JCVD is racing on a motorcycle to try and save him, and it ends up falling to the ground. I want to redo that scene. Instead of him falling to the ground, JCVD gets there faster, but then he does the splits on the motorcycle so he can catch Danny Trejo in his arms, and he rides off that way. With arms wide open. Tell me that wouldn't be incredible. That would also be beautiful. I also think it's important to note that when Danny Trejo is being dropped with a noose around his neck and then falls a second later, he is immediately shit talking going, you guys can't fucking do anything right. Like, yes, absolutely. That is my last words. will be talking shit. (laughs) Right. That's a good way to go. Bless you. Danny Trejo. They shoot him. He eventually dies, but he dies letting them know that they were a bunch of bitches. Yeah, though I'm very confused why it didn't work. Like, he got thrown off, and I was very terrified. I was just watching Danny Trejo get his neck snapped. I gotta gotta be honest. I'm having a hard time remembering any fight scene. There's not much remarkable fight. Like, there's a fair amount of kind of tense action-y scenes where there's people shooting and there's a couple of ha- of martial arts fights, but it's it's not... I, don't, I wouldn't call it an action movie myself. Jay, you criticized the, the Westerns uh, and said that this doesn't have the, like, sweeping panoramics. It also doesn't have any, like, memorable set pieces or shots at all. Everything is just kind of like when an action scene does break out, it kind of just goes how you think it would go. Um, you know, some yeah. stuff gets kicked. Somebody might go through a window, yada, yada. And like every single set looks like it's just their first idea of uh, that trope in a movie. The only thing that stood out to me was Eli's shop. Um, the the shop yeah. that the nephews are running that they're selling uh presumably stolen guns among other goods out of that shop had a lot of character to it. And I really liked that set design. And like, I actually remember most of what went down in that one. Yes. They also had, okay, now things are making sense. They had some fat rails on the counter that they were blowing and Jean-Claude ends up, you know, killing them, swiping it off the counter and then sitting there. Do you think like maybe some of it soaked through his sweaty ass pants <laughs> and, and up into his, his butt stream that way? Yeah. And that's why he was banging those broads till the break of dawn. Yeah. That's how cocaine works. Cause they're like, where does he get all his energy? Boof and Coke. I think you just solved it case. All right. Most important tradition, the Mentos moment. What? For you, Dave, was the Mentos moment for Jean-Claude Van Damme this this uh this film. Man, it, it doesn't have uh it it doesn't have as good of a fit for a Mentos moment as some of the other ones do, so it's going to require a bit more cutting around. But for me, it's definitely going to be him murdering the nephews and freeing Eli from his shop. Uh the him walking into town, strolling in, Throwing a knife through a guy's chest and shooting catch. another one. He yells catch, which is brilliant. Yeah, he yells catch. So the guy will instinctually turn right towards him and then just gets a fucking 12-inch blade in the ribs. Yeah. And then finding an old man chained to a lazy boy in the back of the shop. The, we're told the nephews have been telling people that he's in the hospital. 
But I'm supposed to believe this cranky ass old man has been keeping quiet five feet away from every person that walks through the door. Was right. there even? I think it was just a curtain separating him from the rest of the shop. No, there was a door. Still, though. Yeah, I know. The first time some commotion happens out front, he just screams for anybody to come get him out of his poo-poo that he left in the Lazy Boy. So, I sneezed too hard. My Mentos moment was actually the threesome with the sisters. That was the, like... <laughs> that was like, definitely my backup, yeah. When he's, he's leaving? He's got his gun drawn, and who's at the door? do 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 Oh, it's wait. <laughs> It's the one Best. of the hot stripper neighbors. <laughs> do, 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 do. The towel then comes on down. They're fucking pounding <laughs> away. And then there's a knock at the door. Come in, it's your sister too. <laughs> but he's not the star of the commercial. It's the old lady in the window who's smiling with the Mentos. The cuck maker. That was my Mentos commercial. <laughs> oh. Okay, but we have to include <laughs> the shot of him boofing the Coke before the <laughs> Just as like, okay. you know, to set up sort of an explanation for it. And before we move on from it, I just want to point out that not only does he answer the door with the gun, when she comes inside, he keeps the gun on her for an uncomfortably long time, despite yeah. the that she's there to fuck him. Yes. He walks him walks her into the room. He's now between her and the door and still has the gun on her. Like she's she has bedroom eyes going back and forth between him to like nodding at the gun, like, hey, you wanna put that away or <laughs> Okay, I've got one last alternate pitch for a Mentos moment in this okay, one. Okay, all right, all right. It, it's just the end of the movie. It's just a Mentos commercial of Jean-Claude kicking <laughs> the guy for like a minute and a half straight, turning his back on him, and then you think he's about to get shot. Mentos fresh and full alive, and 12 people shoot him dead. <laughs> and everybody pulls out Mentos. Mentos. <laughs> the death maker. <laughs> The end of the commercial is just 45 seconds of silence as we cut between them all holding up their Mentos and awkwardly smiling. Somebody blows on it like a hot gun. Got, okay, let's talk about Eddie and Rhonda. Can we? That's a match made somewhere. I'm not really sure where, though. Um, Rhonda is a slightly disgruntled truck stop waitress. <laughs> that, that checks out, yeah. Um, who is grumpy who but also pie. relatable? Um, she's got a shit job, and half of everybody who comes in that store fucking sucks. The only nice people are Mister Early and Jean Claude Van Damme. Everybody else, every other patron, fucking sucks. That's yeah. it. I, I but just had to go on that. Apparently rant. armed and ready to use it. So yeah, yeah. I think that's just New Mexico. <laughs> Is that where this is set? It looks like it. Yeah, and I guess the the sort of knockoff Roswell would give it New Mexico vibes. Um, mm, mm, mm. I, but Rhonda herself, uh, later in the film, she's there when Jean-Claude 
rigs up a building to explode with several of the heathen gang members in it, and she doesn't bat a fucking eye. No, everybody is very pro-death penalty. And again, New Mexico, it's a very New Mexico vibe. Like, Oh, yeah. These, hold on, these, hold these on, people Dave. have just been waiting for their excuse to start the purge. They Fuck yeah! totally yes. fine with that. I want you to just think back about the time that you were in retail, and if you had the opportunity to blow up the place where the worst customers, repeat customers that you absolutely hated were, that you wouldn't go along with it in just fucking ecstasy. Oh, that's... I. That's my primary. Pr- I love the the Purge movies. I think they're really funny, um, and they're they're like fun movies. But like the premise is so stupid. You have no idea how is legalizing violence for customer service workers going to work as a control mechanism? You can't put that <laughs> genie back in the bottle, right? I'm gonna say something controversial. Yeah, no, brave. you. <clears throat> Jean-Claude Van Damme, based in this movie, like his scruff, his gruff, his dirtiness, all of that, would be a perfect Wolverine. Yes. Visually. He's also French, which is adjacent to being Canadian. Right. Not only the one type, which isn't Wolverine's type. Wolverine's Shut up, Dave. Sounds like Gamb- I know he sounds like Gambit, but visually, isn't he a great Wolverine? Picture him with a fucking stogie hanging out of his mouth. On aesthetics case, you're right. He looks like he'd be a good Wolverine. Motorcycle hobo. He plays it so well. He does. Okay, so that would have been cool in the intro if they would have actually like shot him in the head. And then they would have got up and then claws would have popped out and he would have crawled up and fucking went after them. That'd have been badass. Mm-hmm. I'd have been in for that. Well, he apparently has some sort of mutant abilities because throughout the film, he frequently hallucinates his best buddy, Danny Trejo. And at the end of the mil- and at the end of the film, he hallucinates it so hard that his girlfriend on the motorcycle sees it too. Yeah. 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 So listen, They've been hanging out a long time. They've tripped a lot together. They've kind of learned just how to astral project to each other. <laughs> you break your brain enough with the same person, it it works. So, Danny Trejo's only hallucination in the first and last scenes in this cut. Okay, but at least in the last scene, two different people are seeing him. So yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Saying yes. Danny Fair. Trejo... Was just astral projecting the whole time. He's not Eric Roberts. I like your theory. And it would have been neat. It's funny you say that. The director, Arvidsson, uh, his name, you'll notice, is not on the film. Because he ended up having it pulled off. He um, Apparently Van Damme didn't like the cut that Arvidsson did. And had it recut. Arvidsson's was more ambiguous about the mysticism. And leaned more into that. Uh, And apparently it got a standing ovation when people watched it. So there's another version of this film. I would have dug that. It would have gave it some very much needed character. It certainly would have given it some character. I don't know that this this film is lacking character. 
Uh, I don't know if we can get available. I don't know that there's a publicly available version of it. Somebody find it. Right. Well, let's not wander all night in the desert. We've got a Van Daddy to get back to. Dave, from 1999, Inferno, a.k.a. Desert Heat, would you watch it again on this, our Van Damuary 2024 of our Lord? There's not anything here that's particularly bad or offensive in any way, but there's also not anything in this movie that really stood out to me at all. Um, I We've said it a few times, but like I struggle to recall any particular scene or dialogue or setting, uh, and even uh, Van Damme, there really isn't any particular fight scenes in this that like stood out to me as like, wow, that was a really cool shot. Ah. Uh, and I it, and it's a setting and a story that I can get in a lot of other movies. I, as Jay said, it's basically just a remake of Yojimbo. And dear God, do people love making remakes of Yojimbo? <laughs> but I do love Van Damme enough, and I love Yojimbo remakes enough that yeah, I will probably end up oh! watching Inferno slash Desert wow. Heat again at some point. And remembering shit, yeah, there wasn't much to this, but uh, you know. Sometimes just chicken and plain rice is decent enough for dinner. Jay, what about you? From 1999, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. IMDb titled Inferno, but you'll never find it under anything but desert heat. Would you watch it again? Ah, <laughs> uh, I So I agree that the action scenes are not memorable in this movie. I disagree that there's other scenes that are not memorable in this movie. Danny Trejo and JCVD in his shack is very memorable. The the and you said so yourself. The the scenes with Eli in uh, the the gun shop are very memorable. I think I said that they were better. The scenes with uh, with Jupal early are very memorable. It's very strange. The 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 weird thing about this movie is that it can't pick a tone, and I'm laughing, and then it's serious. And it's dealing with really, like, serious issues that it doesn't quite ever get a handle to say anything about. But it's sort of trying. And watching it kind of flail at the edges and do all of these things at once is kind of beautiful. And I actually thought the film was good. I, I kind of liked the story overall, even though it was a mess and not told the best. I, I found it really interesting. I, I think it's kind of auteurish. And it's worth watching. And I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. This was a sleeper for me. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to watch Inferno slash Desert Heat again. But Casey, what about you? You bestowed a brand new Van Damme film upon us this Van Damuary, one none of us had seen. 1999's Inferno Desert Heat. Would you watch it again? This movie was strange. Um, but let's focus on some of the good. Eli Hamilton befriends JCVD pretty quickly in the movie, but is constantly screaming at him not to forget his oxygen. And every time they move <laughs> scenes, he screams at Van Damme to pick up his fucking oxygen. At one point, they leave the building they're in, and it's the dead of night, and Van Damme does some physical comedy of dragging it out, going back to his mime work, flipping it around, and then he's got to move it back in the building again. Yeah, I would. No! I would. 
this was interesting. It felt like something was lost in translation, but in a good way. And there will always be one person in a scene that something out of their mouth fucking surprises surprises you. <laughs> There's just wondering if he's circumcised and, and things of that. Oh, I bet he's a naughty boy. Like, just the most random shit comes out of people's mouth. So, yes, I can't wait to, you know, wait six months and watch this again and then be just as flabbergasted as the last time. So that is it. Three out of three of us would watch Inferno again. Starting off in Damuary with a big fat W. So glad we took a chance on this. Jay, what are you going to bring next week? Can you keep it rolling? Well, next week, I'm going to bring a sequel to a Van Damme film that we've watched in the past. One we all love. This time, Van Damme isn't exactly the star of it, but he plays a mentor role. We're going to watch Kickboxer Vengeance. Yay! I I do love a kickboxer. We better start taping up your shins and follow us on Instagram at Casey.Cinema. Like us on Facebook, sh.ttycinema. Donate to our Peyote UFO Research Fund at Patreon slash Shitty Cinema or PeepShittyCinema.com. Check the show notes for those links. And in the meantime, let's turn off the lights. Drunk drive around coyotes. And pretend like it's an Alabama wedding. Are you my sister? I meant the gun shooting, but I mean, they did have like an Alabama threesome in the hotel. (laughs) 